This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, such a long time in the making, Miss Bronwyn Windenberg. Hey there. I'm so glad to be here in person with you. Are you dying? Is this like, I, I, I keep saying this, but it's like 2019 vibes, right? Yeah, I love it. I mean, listen, anytime someone's like, can we do this in person? I'm like, I wish everyone would do it in person. It's so much easier. I know. Now that I'm in the city half the time, I'm like, why? Why are we going to phone this in? Let's go. We're in. We're in Midtown. Let's make the best of this. I cheers. Was like, cheers. <laughs> Listen, we have our coffee. Well, you know, I didn't know you were. I mean, you were just at Coachella with the rest of the world. I was. I was. That was so fun. Was that? That wasn't your first time at Coachella. You, I've, I've never been to Coachella. I've been to Coachella one other year, but this is the first year that I've been since probably 15, 16 years ago. Because my parents are friends with the owners of the polo field. So I'm talking baby days back in its inception. So I haven't been to Coachella like this. And it was fun. It was so fun. Here's my thing. I mean, because I told you, I was just talking to like Mary from Selling Sunset. What is it? Like I am into a lot of things and trends. What do I not understand about Coachella? It doesn't appeal to me. Okay. Well, first of all, there's different ways to Coachella. You can go general admission. You can wait in long lines. You can pee in a porta potty. That's one way to go. And if that's your jam, go for it. We, you know, my parents have their RV there. We have sponsors passes because Vic works with BMW. So for us, it was a little bit different. You know, we got to go backstage. We got to go around and chill in the RV. We got really nice food to eat. So there's there's ways to do it. There's really cool pre-festivals too. Like Soho House did a great one. Okay. Pandora, Revolve has one. So there's different, just like anything else, there's different ways to do it. I'm not going to stand in the sun all day listening to music that, I mean, honestly, I have never heard of. I knew the big headliners, but some of that I'm like, I don't know that. But I think this year was different because it's been so long. And everyone was just like so happy to be together. And everyone was so nice. That many people and everyone was like, I love you. I mean, given a lot of them are probably on Molly, but everyone was like, I love you. I'm like, I love you too. That's what I'm picturing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand like you don't have to wait in the lines. But like I know Kyle Richards was there. But I just – I didn't – I don't know any of the music either. I mean, honestly. I mean, you know Billie Eilish. You know The Weeknd. You know City Girls. Not really City Girls Megan Thee Stallion? Yes. Okay. So like you would know know some of them. I'm like really dating myself now. 
I mean, I know Bieber was there shirtless. I saw that. Yes, right. He he chimed in for a little bit um, with Caesar, um, Harry Styles, and Shania Twain. I know you know them. I know them, but I just am like, well, I don't understand. And that's this the cool whole... thing too. There's a lot of collabs, and you're not expecting it. So you'll have Aww. people that just pop in. It's it is so. And I hear you know you're hanging next to Haley Bieber. And it's like, hey, girl. I'm, and it's, there's well, no – I like. There's no pretension. Everyone is just there. Amber Rose is in the background of one of my photos and no one noticed. I mean everyone is just there for the music. It was it was fun. It was fun. And, you know, Victoria works at these things. She goes for work. Yeah. So she gets paid to go. So she might as well. And I get to be her plus one, which is kind of a nice bonus. That is so nice. So you've recovered. You're, you're like – well, you know, the world hasn't seen you since you were last on our TV screens. I know. I took a long break. You did take a break. You know, listen, we have a lot of present stuff to talk about. But before we get there, you know, like, okay, when you look back on your time, your two seasons on Housewives, Bronwyn's like, oh, God, here we go. Now, listen, what just what are the highs? Like, what are some highs for you? See, I'm starting uh, out on such a positive sure. The note, biggest right? high was BravoCon. Really? That was one of the best weekends of my life. I had Sean here. Rowan was here. The fans were amazing. I got to meet all these people that I'd seen on TV too. I mean, the memories I have of being, and I was still drinking back then, but so they're fuzzy memories, but the memories I have of like drinking bourbon with Shep, I mean, that's pretty amazing, you know? Like that, it was such a great weekend, just the camaraderie. Well, I know you were drinking back then because <laughs> I saw you at BravoCon, but. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out. I feel like that's not really my place to do, right? I mean, I can look back on it now. And, you know, poor Becca from PR was, like, taking the drinks out of my hand. I I did make an amends to her. I'm like, sorry about that. But, you know, I was dancing on tables. I was living my best life. I had the best time, you know. Um, and so for me, definitely the highlight was BravoCon. Wow. 100%. You know, meeting Captain Sandy, who later went on to be a big part of my recovery. You know, I met her there. So – I think that was definitely the highlight. Um, the other thing for me, which is just the excitement of filming. You know, it's fun. having Getting mic'd up, having the cameras, having the attention. When I first got let go, I kind of correlated it to a similar high to, to drinking. It's the same sort of fix that you get. Um, and I, you know, I 12-stepped my my myself through leaving the show, too. I think that's why I was able to leave and let go so easily because I would already worked a program. But... Um, it's exciting. Filming is fun. It's fun. Yes, I could see that. And taking away that, right, which you don't have any control over, right? I mean, that was like a 12-step, you yeah. know, in the sense that... Except the things you can't control. And that really helped a lot. And, you know, let's be honest. I get to be friends with Tamara Judge. That's a that's great. I mean, the first time I met her, we were on camera, and I, <gasps> and I dropped the gift I was had for her, you know? And now I, I call her and text her. All the time. That's a nice bonus. That is a nice bonus. Yeah, she's, a, she's an amazing person, and I'm really grateful for that friendship. So those are a lot of the highs. I think it was, you know, fun being able to to highlight my family. We're a little bit outside of the box. Um, you know, I got to do the drag uh, segment with Jacob, which really, I think, showed a lot of people in America that unconditional love. You know, we hadn't seen that done before. Um, that was definitely a highlight, you know. Giving Jacob those moments to shine really changed his life. So those are things that you can never take away. My The last time I saw my daughter dance was right before the pandemic. And Bravo was kind enough to release that footage in a, 
a separate segment because it didn't air. And I, I said to them, hey, that was because all of her dance stuff was canceled. She was a senior that year. You know, can can I have that footage of the last time? I get teary-eyed thinking of it. That's the last time I saw my daughter dance. Wow. So those those are the beautiful moments. Do your kids have like that kind of withdrawal too? Like, you know, wait, where are the cameras? No. So the kids really didn't like the way our family was portrayed, especially me. Um, they they got angry. They were angry at Bravo. They 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 know what our family is. They know what kind of mother I am, and they know how we were depicted. So they had a lot of resentments. So they were glad to see that end. Uh, that being said, there is another project we're working on. And at first they were like, absolutely not. We are not doing that again. No. Um, and they had to kind of talk to the people behind the scenes and get to trust them and understand what's going to be done differently. It's more of a documentary type of thing than a salacious show. And they were like, okay, but they're hesitant. They're 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 not for the limelight. I really? think I think I mean the little kids thought it was fun because they're to them like the babies, they're like, ooh, fun. But the older kids, I think they saw the backlash of it probably better than I did. Well, here's the good news, and this is no shade to Bravo or Housewives, but as far as Salacious goes, it's only up after Housewives. Like, I'm not so sure. It's just a unique brand of a show. I mean, even compared to other Bravo shows, I think. So I think whatever it is that comes next, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see how it could even be close to as Salacious for them. Really. No, and there's no – for me, you know, I have a hard time – putting women down and fighting with women. That's not my jam. I love building women up. I love connecting people. So that wasn't a good fit for me because that doesn't come naturally to me. You know, I actually avoid conflict at all, all costs. I will back out of the room and, you know, put smile, <laughs> smile and nod. You're like, but, I'm just um, not feeling it. Yeah. And for me, I also want to do something that's, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I feel like Housewives isn't actually reality TV anymore. Uh, I feel like how – I don't know about you, but I love driving through the city and staring into people's apartments. I love it. I love it. I love getting little glimpses into other people's lives. And I feel like when Housewives started, that's what we were. I got to see Gina Kehoe's family. You know, I got to see the original glimpse into people's lives. And I feel now it's so produced and so edited. There's there's storylines, not just lives. And so I don't think – I don't consider it reality TV anymore. I, I think it's produced. So I would agree forward, with that. I'm looking forward to doing reality, real. This is my real life. Good, bad, ugly, laugh, cry, you know. Here it is. Kind of thing, yeah. I have more to say on that in a second too. What about what are some of the lows or was there one low that just stands out for you? Yeah. Um, I think the backlash from season two, and I'm not going to get into details or name any names, but there were th- there was something in particular that was said about me. That I later learned wasn't true. Um, I got a text message uh, that someone had sent to someone else in her family and saying it's not true. My mom made it up. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was, that was my biggest low. I actually um, – Wait, know, someone said something about you, that one I, of your castmates? That I later learned was fabricated. And what was that? I'm I'm actually not going to talk about it because, you know, it, it deals with people that are underage and it's not fair. But um, I, when I, that to me was the low. And because I really got hit. And at the time we were on a gag order from Bravo, so I couldn't talk about it. They said if we did, we'd lose our jobs. And I was low. And that, you know, I know Noelle has had an interesting season this year. But the one thing I have to give her such credit for was I was on my floor. I, I was so depressed. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was so depressed because um, 
when I thought it was true, I couldn't believe I did it. And then when I found out it wasn't, I couldn't believe that I was going to have to deal with this. And she literally carried me onto her plane, took care of me, and nursed me back to health in Puerto Rico. I mean, she brought me back to life. And I do wish you got to see that side of her this year um, because she does have the biggest heart. And she really just was like, I got you. So I think that that was probably the biggest low. Some of the other lows were just, you know, coming out and getting sober and not being believed, especially with sobriety. No one fakes sobriety as a storyline because that means you have to be sober on those bitches. And that's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, so that I really wish that that had been given that hadn't been given airtime. And it, it did. So, right. I mean, those were some of the things I wanted to talk about. So let's take those two things separately. So one of the things that happened, like, while you're on the show is, you know, you came out, you said, I'm gay. I think my exact words were, I'm a big old lesbian. Okay. Well, you're well, welcome, <laughs> big old lesbian, to the family over here. Let's, you know, cheers to cheers. that. Yeah. So you came out. Let's just break that down. Now, when before we get to this TV experience and that happening, when did you, like growing up, you, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, as a member of the gay community myself, like shocker, I'm shocker, you know, to, to break this to you, like growing up, did you have any inclination of this? No. And then there's no judgment here, yeah, of course. No, I'm just I didn't. so curious. I mean, I remember when I was little, closing the door, and my Barbies would make out, and Ken would just stand in the corner. You know, all, my girl Barbies were making out. Um, I remember having crushes on girls, but not being able to verbalize what that was. I actually told when I'm still good friends with a lot of my friends from childhood, and I was like, hey, you know what, Elizabeth? By the way, I had a huge crush on you. Like when you would cuddle in bed with me, I liked it. So, But I didn't know that at the time. I didn't have the words or understanding because there wasn't the representation in the 1980s that no. we have now. Uh, I grew up in Laguna Beach, which is a very gay-friendly town, but it was a gay men. I didn't see gay women. The ones I saw didn't – I didn't identify with. I, I like say they didn't look like you. You could say it. I, you know, I like makeup. I like pink. I like dresses. So I knew that I had an attraction to women. I knew that. But I didn't think I was gay because I didn't like flannel, you know. And, and that sounds silly now saying it. But, like, I didn't have the role models. Also, keep in mind, you know, my my childhood, I was moved around a lot. All I ever wanted, all I ever wanted was to get married and have a family and have the picket fence. And so – I wasn't seeing that done. I think IVF was very new then. So there wasn't same-sex yeah. couples having children. I don't think adoption was legal for same-sex couples. So if you were a gay woman, then you'd have to give up children back then. And yeah. that wasn't something that I was – you know, it, it didn't even cross my radar. That being said, I was hooking up with girls all through high school. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I and I liked it. And Sean knew that when we met. He knew like, okay, that's – that. That's part of Bronwyn. Like, she'll she'll be with me, but she's always going to hook up with girls. And I always did. Wow. And then that continues through – I mean, if you're hooking up in high school, you might as well hook up in college with girls. I hooked up in college until I had Bella because I had children. I got – you know, I met Sean at 18 and had Bella at 22. So when I was having children, they were my primary focus. I did attachment parenting. You know, I breastfed. I bed shared. Um, I didn't leave Bella with a babysitter until she was four. I nursed all my kids without a bottle. So – I wasn't thinking – I didn't want to have sex with anyone. Right. <laughs> like, I, that makes sense at to all. me. Um, and then I – you know, I was having a lot of kids. And then we had a little break between Jacob and the twins. And I, we had a crazy couple years. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You guys know I'm in the Hamptons for the summer. And as exciting as that sounds, and it is, you know, I actually had panic set in because it means, A, that I have to take Ubers everywhere because everything is so damn spread out and I don't drive. And B, it means boats. I'm on the water in Sag Harbor. So I can't tell you the last time that I went on a boat and actually enjoyed myself. And the only reason, the only reason that I was able to do this is because of relief band. As bad as cars are, I mean, boats were a complete non-starter, but relief band changed all that. And I honestly don't leave home without it. It's the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, which I have anxiety, which I have migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, even chemotherapy. So if you're in the same situation and you're finally taking that trip, that's been on your calendar forever. I've got good news right now. You can join the over 100,000 relief band users with an exclusive offer just for behind the velvet rope listeners, go to reliefband.com and use promo code velvet. You'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. Remember it's better to have a relief band and not need it than to need it and not have it. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code VELVET for 20% off plus free shipping. Okay, I need to tell you guys about Radix Remedies. Listen, Radix Premium Cannabis was started by three lifelong friends and cannabis connoisseurs. Can you imagine being a cannabis connoisseur? I swear I'm in the wrong line of work. But listen, their hottest item and the one that I like the best is the THC gummies. Now, those are pretty self-explanatory. It's a cannabis edible. I mean, they make you feel great. They're like the brownies that you're probably used to, but I don't know. To me, there's just something better about the gummies. They enhance my reaction time. They reduce my anxiety. Now, everyone who knows me knows that I'm a New Yorker. My mind doesn't shut off and I have trouble sleeping. And I swear Radix Sleepy Bears really help me. They're delicious. And basically they're the most effective sleep aid that I have ever used. They're gummies that you just kind of take at night. They're cannabis and melatonin infused, and they really help me sleep. And I mean, if you think I could do this podcast without a good night's sleep, I mean, come on now. There's so many other products that Radix has to offer, topicals. Now, all of their products can be purchased as monthly subscriptions at reduced rates because you're listening to this podcast. There's free shipping on orders over $35 and you get 15% off with the promo code VELVET. So go to www.radixremedies. That's www.radix. R-E-M-E-D-I-E-S.com. Go and check them out. Take advantage of all the special offers that we've secured for you listeners. And remember, Radix, your remedy. And now back to the show. I got to tell you guys about the Diggs Rival dog crate. Now, the Rival is a collapsible dog crate that's easy to set up, transport, and store. So, you know, those like old fashioned, like big dog crates that you're used to that take up so much room when you're not using them, not the Revolve. Like what you can do is you just need to take one hand and you literally, you raise it up and you put it together and then you can collapse it. So when you're not using it, you can store it and it's so easily transportable. 
has a carrying handle and wheels, and it's easy to clean thanks to the removable bottom tray. And it comes in four different colors, and it really does look like a piece of furniture instead of like a dog crate. And it is the summer, so you guys all have your summer vacations. You know, they also have a great passenger travel carrier. So, you know, when your dog wants to travel, why not travel in style? And listen, it's a five-star crash test rating. So it's also safe if you're going to take your dog anywhere. And now just from listening to this podcast, you can get 15% off your Revolt or your passenger purchase for your little furry friend. Go to digs.pet slash velvet. That's digs, D-I-G-G-S dot pet slash velvet to get 15% off your purchase. Um, and that's kind of what I thought it was, a crazy couple of years. There was one person um, that became a little more serious. And she, you know, she was my girlfriend and she kind of was part of the family with us. Now, the kids didn't know, but Sean did. And that, that was a thing. And I do remember having a conversation with Sean, like, I think I might want to pursue a relationship with a woman, not just sleeping with one, but like an actual real relationship. But, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, I got sober for the third second time shortly after that relationship because it, it, it was pretty toxic as far as she's sober now too though okay. um but you know i got sober again and then i had children again and it sort of just went on the back burner until the pandemic really yeah and just what you had more time on your hands during the pandemic well there was a lot of things i was sober um and I had gotten sober two other times before. The first time I got sober, I did go to a 12-step program and work the steps. But I didn't – I wasn't fully invested like I, I have been this time. Um, so I'm at home. I'm sober. I'm working with a sponsor. I'm going through some stuff and I'm talking to her. And she was actually the one that pointed it out. She's like, honey, I think you might be gay. Uh I have no outside influences. I have nothing to buy. I have no party to plan. I have no trip to take. There's no – none of my crutches are there anymore. None of my things that make me, you know, And even online out. shopping, you're like – because I, I went through that. I'm like, why am I buying this Louis Vuitton bag now? I'm never going to see another human like, being I had in enough life. cute pajamas at yeah. that point, you know? Like, like, there's nothing here. I, so I think um, – and then I was also reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. That was another high from the show. I got to do Watch What Happens Live with her, and she is my idol. I love that woman. So I'm reading Untamed. I'm getting sober. I'm doing the work. I'm quarantining. And the person I'm quarantining had been sober 19 years, my best friend, and I'm falling in love with her. All these things are happening at once. Wow. Yeah. So you figure this out. You're like, I understand it now. I did. Um, the person I was falling in love with was not physical. It was emotional. But it showed me that I it, I could see a future with a woman waking up and having coffee in the morning, going to bed at night. I could see that parenting with a woman. And that was the first time in my life that I could actually see that, not just hooking up with a girl, but having a future with one. Um and I think emotional is just as bad. You know, like when Worse. everyone's like, oh, I didn't do – yeah, like I didn't Worse. do anything. I'm like – yeah, like when you emotionally have that affair, I think it's almost – yeah, I think it's almost worse. For us, it was worse. Sean was watching this. He saw himself being cut out. Um, and uh, it, it, it started the ball on a, a lot of things that kind of led to us separating um, – 
me exploring relationships with women. My friend Noella set up a fake uh, Tinder for me <laughs> and oh, predated wow. people. And that's how I met Chris, which ended up being, you know, such a beautiful relationship. I have so much respect for her. I'm still friends with Chris to this day, even though we're not together. Um, and it really was that first – the first time I was with Chris, sober, I came home and I called my best friend and I said, I'm not even a little bit straight. Really? Mm-hmm. So this all happens. You figure this out. And now – like that's – a lot for anybody, but now we have this, we have people watching. And I think the show, what you didn't realize, because when they aired the show, the pandemic was half an episode. It was six months that we weren't filming. So I, it seemed very fast to the viewers. And I understand that through editing, they couldn't put all of the backstory in. Right. Because it was, the pa- whole entire pandemic was half an episode. But the truth was, there was a lot going on in our home. And the story didn't get to unfold as organically as it actually was in real time. And then, so you, were you worried about the coming out to the world type of thing or? I was more, I knew people wouldn't believe it because I had seen what happened with sobriety, that people didn't believe me. So I knew that people weren't going to believe me, but I don't care, whatever. That's not my problem. I wasn't quite ready to share it. I wanted to keep it to myself a little longer. And then TMZ gave us a phone call and said, hey, we have this photo. We aren't going to air it because we don't out people. But if we have it, someone else might. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? This is my life. This is my truth. And we called Anthony Ramos at GLAAD and said, "Uh, can you help me? Can you help me share my story? And he did a beautiful job. Yeah. I love it. So then, right, so you come out and to your point, no one believes you. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was that like? I mean, at this point, I'm used to it, you know. Um, I've been called so many horrible things. S- narcissist, bad mom, faking sobriety, fake lesbian. Uh, I mean, I have. I mean, I know some others that I was going to bring up. Yeah, like feel free to throw them at me. I you mean, know? right, like fame whore. Thirsty. Thirst, right, thirsty. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of horrible things I've been called at this point. And I think at a certain point, you just so whatever. I mean, because you, I know my truth. My kids know my truth. Uh, my family, my friends, my girlfriend. I mean, I often, I often joke. I remember Elizabeth Vargas, she's like, you're the worst lesbian ever. And I'm like, well, may want to ask the girls I've been dating because I don't think they'll agree. I've actually gotten quite well. <laughs> well, that's the thing to me. Like at some point, it's like you're fooling around with girls exclusively. Like guys, like I think that is the definition. I mean, I'm of living. What a lesbian. I'm is. living with a woman right now. So Victoria right. and I have been together for six months. We're living together. I haven't had a drink in over two years. I think by this point, people might believe me. I think that – and, and I'm not on a TV show. So now there's no reason for me to make this stuff up. So at this point, if you don't believe it, that's on you. I don't know. Like, go get your tinfoil hat. I can't help you. You get to the point. Where <laughs> did you – so it's it's been six months. I met Victoria uh, October 20th. Wow. Where did you guys meet? We actually – we met through mutual friends. Okay. Um, my friend Amy, she works with Brian Sirhan. Yeah. Uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. She was at a party for Daily Front Row. And Vic was at that party. And Amy's like, oh, my God, are you single? I have a girl for you. And we started texting. She watched Beverly Hills in Atlanta but never seen Orange County. And so we're texting. And I mentioned the seven kids. She's like, wait, what? 
And I text Amy separately. I'm like, Amy, you got to lead with that because yeah. that's a deal breaker. Um, but we texted for a couple weeks before I was coming back out here for um, the Dave Quinn book. So I already had that. Our, so we're texting. She's like, I'd love to come with you. I'm like, I already have a date because <laughs> I had another date to that party. And um, we so we went out the day after the Dave Quinn book release. And I had planned – because I pay attention. That's one thing about, like, women. We pay attention. So I knew she loved Sex in the City. I knew what her – she loved art. So we did – How did you her. know this? Just from a deep dive on the IG? No, just from listening to her when she would talk. Because okay. we'd been talk, texting and talking for two weeks. That's a lot less salacious than my version. Yeah. I was like, did you stalk her on IG? Which is cool. This I is mean, I did check out in. her page. Which okay. If, well, that's understandable. It's Vicka Trillion. And obviously I saw her photo and I went, oh, yes. But then – I did see Brazilian. I'm like, oh, because my last relationship was with the Brazilian too, and it was a lot. It's it was a lot, so I was a little scared. Not gonna lie. Your last relationship with season six friend of Fernando Rocha. Yes, I just I'm just making it clear yes. for everyone. Um, and so, listen, we didn't talk about housewives for a good twenty minutes there, Bonnie. Okay. okay. Yes, so I you know dated Fernanda. Um, so but she's she's dropped out gorgeous. So I'm like, well, whatever happens, at least I'm gonna have a great night. So I met her at Jane's Carousel, which is in Brooklyn because that's where she lives. We walked across the Brooklyn Bridge because she's a huge Sex in the City fan. We went to the Van Gogh exhibit. We went to dinner at Balthazar. We went to Chapel Bar. I mean, we had the best first date. It's like an epic first date. It here. lasted seven days. Oh, my gosh. I extended my trip. It was amazing. It was a seven-day date. It was I, – I, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. And you just – that was it, seven days, and then you're just like, I mean, I'm done. Like, I this is it? Fish? I think I knew I was falling in love with her on that first date, yeah. Wow. There was a moment she's sitting on the floor in my hotel room, blow-drying her hair. And I just looked at her and I thought, I could, I could spend the rest of my life with this woman. And I know that sounds crazy after a couple days. I know that. And well, I, I mean, that's what people – I mean, listen, first of all, the last person you need relationship advice from is me because, you know, this this behind the velvet rope might be a big success over here. But <laughs> when I'm not in work mode, personally, man, I'm a mess. But go on. It, it was – and then our second date was Puerto Rico. That was phenomenal. And it's sort of just been like that ever since. We actually leave in two days. We're headed to Turks and Caicos. She came to Kauai with me and the kids. Um. I mean, and let's say she has 1.9 million Instagram followers. She's a model. Yeah, she's been modeling since she was a child. Bruce Weber uh, discovered her. I think she was 12. Wow. And so she just did a Vogue photo shoot. She's been in W. I mean, she's she works a lot. Yeah. And she's dating me. I was going to say this is a, this is a, you didn't you didn't do so bad for yourself over I here. I still put it. I'm like, how did I do that? Model, millions of Instagram followers, backstage access at Coachella. This we is... do the coolest stuff. Like she, she's cool. So what I like being a housewife is fun. We're salacious. We're middle America. Right. She gets to do like the fancy cool yeah. stuff that I would never have access to. I'm like, yeah. Fun. But it's not that. That's not why I'm with her. I'm with her because I think. We're both, you know, she came out of, she was married for seven years. So she's coming out of a long-term relationship to too, a man, to a woman. Okay. She's never been with a man. Um, gold star. Yeah. Um, she Nothing wrong with being a gold star. No, people. she knew from the time she was little. Her story, and, you know, I can't wait for her to share it one day because she, you know, she was kicked out of her home. <coughs> oh, wow. You know, she has no family. Um, 
her mother disowned her when she found out that she was gay. So, you know, we both came into this a, a little bit broken, I would say. You know, we both had a lot of trauma, a lot of drama. And it's been the most honest relationship because we talk about our triggers when you do this. It's been really beautiful, you know, because we've had highs and lows together and we don't hide it. You guys know that I'm out here living my best life this summer in the Hamptons. And look, I mean, part of that was like, I kind of doubled down on my therapy with Talkspace. Like I need a clear head. I'm going to have a good summer. And look, I mean, a lot of thoughts and emotions and life situations, you know, they get in my way. I'm sure they get in everyone's way and they stack up and, you know, it's, there's no shame in today's day and age and, you know, saying, Hey, I, I need to talk to someone. And I personally don't want to talk to my friends. I don't want a bunch of yes people that are just going to, you know, yes me to death. I really find that talk space and talking to a licensed trained therapist, someone that has an outside perspective has really helped me. And I love, you know, that I am out here in the Hamptons. You don't need to go to someone's office. This can all be done over the phone, Zoom. It's a great way to get high level therapy and the help you need at like a fraction of the cost. So listen, if your thoughts and emotions are piling up, listen, it's the summer guys. You need to have a happy summer. You can match with one of their dedicated therapists today at talkspace.com and you use promo code velvet during signups, get a hundred dollars off your first month. That's a hundred dollars off at talkspace.com with promo code velvet. Dame Products is a series of female vibrators, and they have so many options to choose from. You know that saying, no good deed goes unpunished? Well, I recommended Dame Female Vibrators to all my friends. And let me tell you something. Now they're giving me feedback. You know, it's like TMI, ladies. But listen, you guys have to hear about Dame Products. It's a series of female vibrators. You can choose the Evo, which is really their first and most iconic product. It's a hands-free couples vibrator designed to enhance partner play without getting in the way. There's the Fin, which is a finger vibrator designed to be an extension of your hand for both partner and solo play. You could choose the Palm, which is a soft and flexible vibrator that bends to the curb of your body. I also should mention, like Dame has aloe lube and sex oil. It's really kind of like a one-stop shop with so many options to choose from. Listen, go to Dame like all my girlfriends did, but you can keep the feedback to yourself. If you're having fun and you enjoy it, I don't need to hear all the details. As a listener of this podcast, you can go to dameproducts.com. You enter code velvet rope and you get 15% off your entire order site-wide. Yeah, that's 15% off. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally a guarantee. Power up your pleasure with a palm or any of the other toys I just mentioned from Dame Products. Go to dameproducts.com, enter code velvet rope today and you get 15% off site-wide. I don't want to sound so negative here today, but listen, I'm not getting any younger. You know, who is? And I have so many more aches and pains these days than ever before, not to mention the fact that I've been killing it at the gym and I'm even more sore these days than anything else. And I need a good night's sleep. Like if you think I can do this podcast without a good night's sleep, I can't. And I used to have a problem sleeping, but I have to tell you, Dormeo's mattress topper has really helped me get a much better night's sleep. The best thing about it is it's a fraction of the cost of a new mattress. So you can get that new bed feeling without like actually having to buy a new bed. And so like for me, like it means like I don't wake up like, and everyone's going to know what I'm talking about, like hot and sweaty, you know, when you're trapped from all that body heat, like this 
mattress topper just it breathes and it's great it has a full range of sizes from twin all the way up through king so if you think i'm in a better mood it's because i'm getting a better night's sleep and that's because of dormeo mattress topper right now you can go to dormeo.com velvet and you'll receive 30 percent off your Dormeo mattress topper. That's the best offer you'll receive anywhere, but you have to go to dormeo.com slash velvet. Remember, with their 10-year warranty and a 100-night risk-free trial, plus free shipping, it's crazy not to give Dormeo a try. That's good. And then, so, yes, all the other stuff, the fact that she's beautiful and that, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a plus, but it's that core value that this person has my back, and from day one, we've been real with each other. That's what they say. They say good communication and just being honest yeah. goes a lot. Who knew? Way. Right. Like, it's so simple. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, I had someone else on yesterday too, an actor who was saying like, yeah, because he's been with his wife, Eric Roberts, Julia's brother. He was like, I've been with my wife for 29 years. I'm like, what's he's like, I'm like, what's the secret? He's like, just good communication. I'm like, just honesty. I'm like, Wow. For me, it's, you is know, that what it is? It's, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of therapy, obviously. When you're getting sober, I highly recommend you – everyone, screw it. Everyone needs therapy after the hell we just went through the last few Seriously. years. Everyone. But, you know, for me, it's recognizing the triggers I because I have them. I react to this. This is why. So when you do this, it, makes, it reminds me of this. And it's like, oh, okay. And it – so we don't – not that we never fight because we're both very passionate, but we know where it stems from, you know? Right. And that helps. So what about coming out as an alcoholic during the tenure? Was that harder or was that easier to do to the world, I guess? Much easier to come out as an alcoholic because people support you and people love people that are in sobriety and recovery. Not everyone likes gay people. You know this. I do know this. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of the same thing that I get. Enough already. Why do you need a whole month? And like, look at what's going on in Texas and Florida. I mean, you know, our rights are being cut every single day. So, and even in like, in, I mean, it always shocks me because, right, because we live in like a, a fake world, right? right? Like, we enslave and isolate and, you know, New York and then we go to LA. And, but even here, like, I've, I've walked down the street here and had cars go by and say, I'm like, wait, this is like Chelsea. This is the West Village. Like, what's happening? Like, That's, yeah. Yeah. We are. And this, I mean, you know, maybe not yesterday, but like, it happens. Yeah, it happens. I was on a kind of a road trip with Vic. We walked in to get in and out. And we walked into the restaurant and immediately dropped our hands. And she goes, don't. And I, I knew what she was saying. Yeah. That, right. It's not safe for us to be a couple here. Yeah. Um, and that's something you never experience with a man when you're a woman or when you're a kid. You right. Know, like, so I think coming out as much as people think, oh, we're done with that. A lot of people say that to me enough already. We don't need to hear it. No. we're No, there's still so much work to be done. It, it's still an uphill battle. Yeah. And so – were you nervous? You weren't nervous to come out like as an alcoholic to the world, so to speak, and uh, also like to yourself. I guess was that hard to uh, finally get to that point? Um, I mean, was it hard to get to that point? Yes, it took me ten years. This is my third time getting sober, so yes, it was hard to get to that point. Um, but when I got there, and I knew it, which wasn't the day I stopped drinking. I did not get there the day I stopped drinking. I got there the day I went to that first meeting. So um, I was 30 days sober. But, I mean, that – Captain Sandy, I I actually met her finally at – I'd met her before, but I saw her for the first time and I just started crying. We were at a gala in Texas 
because she saved my life because she said, you know, if you get sober on camera, then you're accountable. And I think that's what saved my life because once I said it on, on film, I couldn't go out and take it back. I couldn't get drunk. I knew people would be watching. Um, so was I nervous? I wasn't nervous to say I was an alcoholic. I was nervous to fail. I was nervous to relapse. I was nervous to let people down. I'm still nervous about that. I'm not going to lie. I am still really nervous about that. When did Captain Sandy say that? Because I didn't realize she said that. Like she said, like, if you do it on camera. I was, I don't know, three days sober. I was on a ski trip with my family detoxing. It was ugly. It was not great. I was bad. I was spiraling. And I had, I'm friends with Leah, her girlfriend, just because she grew up in Orange County. We have similar friends. And so I called, and I knew Captain Sandy was 30 something years sober. And so I called Leah. I said, I need to talk to Sandy really bad. And they were in a movie. They walked out of the movie. What, what do you need? And, um, cause that sober people are good. Sober people show up. We show up for each other. Yeah. And, um, she said, you had no problem getting drunk on camera. Why are you having such a hard time getting sober? Cause my whole thing was, I was gonna say I was on a cleanse. I'm on a cleanse. Cause then I'd have to take accountability. Right. And then if I failed, no one would be like, oh, well, I'm not clean anymore. Um, right. Like your week is over. Yeah, exactly. Cause a lot of people go on cleanses. That's normal. Um, and she said, you have no problem getting drunk on camera. Why are you having such a hard time getting sober? It's because then you're accountable. If you want to stay sober, you have to do this on film. And I was like, okay. I didn't pause. I didn't – I called Thomas, the showrunner, and I just said, this is the truth. Because I had had my meeting about storylines like two days before where I said I was on a cleanse. I was like, this is the truth. I'm an alcoholic. I've been struggling with this for a long time. Wow. And he said, okay. Do you want to talk about it on the show? I said, yeah, but I don't want it to be like my main story." You know, I'm still in such denial. I'm like, yeah, but we don't really have to talk about it. Shh. It was only your second season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't you learn from your first season how it worked? You know, I but it was only your second like, season. Like, that's the thing. I don't ever know how things work. I never play a game. I show up. I mean, I'm sure people are like, what What are you doing? What are you stop talking? Stop, stop, stop. I, it's not how I live my life. Um, and then afterwards, I remember saying to a friend of mine, like, God, I wish I had done this or not done that. But that wouldn't have been you. And you've never been able to live your life right. muted or anything but yourself. I'm like, you know what? You're right. So I never did it to play the game or the chess game or the this. I was like, hi, I'm here and here's everything. Blah. Do you think if Captain Sandy didn't leave that movie theater and tell you, you know, do it on camera, do you think you would have done it? Yes. No, I would have drank again. Um, and I would, I know exactly when I would have drank because when I left that party at Shannon's house right through the glass, I went back to my house because we were in walking distance or homes and I tried to kick the crew out and they wouldn't go. Um, and I've told this story before because it was this day that changed my life. You know, one of the producers put the camera down and said, hey, we can't tell you what to do. But if you take a drink, you're going to have to do it in front of me and Pablo and Mary. And I was like oh, wow, you're right. I can't do that to them. Because I loved the crew. You love them. They become your family. And I just, I, you know, when you're a viewer, you don't see the love you have with the crew. They're, they're amazing people. And so I went online to find an, a meeting, knowing full well I was not going to that meeting. I was going to go to the Lido house and have a drink. <laughs> and knowing they couldn't follow me to a meeting. Because that's, you know, Right. Like that's – we all know that's a boundary you can't cross. You know, it's, it's anonymous. Or or jail yeah, or like, a meeting, we see the cameras go down. So yes. um, my whole plan was to pretend to go to this meeting and go have a drink. Turns out the person that got in the car with me that day with the handheld camera, I was like, what? 
Oh my God, you're an asshole. I hate you. Turns out I get there. Um, no parking. Um, my friend had driven me. No parking. That producer came in with me. That crew member came in with me. Put the camera down, obviously. And in that meeting said, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. That person had been nine years sober. I didn't know that before that meeting. Later, they looked at me and said, I know exactly what you're about to do. I know where you were headed. And so if – Meaning for – to the to legal drink, house to have a drink. Yes. Wow. So I know for a fact if that moment hadn't occurred, um, if Captain Sandy hadn't put me on the trajectory, if I hadn't had the ownership, if I hadn't had all of that, I know when I would have fallen off the wagon. And I don't think I would have survived the pandemic. I think I would have drank myself to death because I was drinking that much at the end. Wow. It was bad. Right, because Captain Sandy said, like, if you don't do it on camera, you're not going to be accountable. And so if you didn't do it on camera, you would have said, well, no one saw that. I said yeah. I was sober. Who cares? No one's watching. And then you would have started again. Yes. So – And you think – those There's two people, um, Sandy and then the crew member that helped me, that saved my life. And they know – and I've said this to them. They know this. They know. They know that they've saved my life. And you think if you were – during the pandemic, just drinking, you th- you wouldn't have made it? I know. I wouldn't. My blood pressure at the end was like 190 over 130. Um, I was starting to see things. I mean, I was drinking one or two bottles of tequila a day, a day. I'm wow. Little, I'm a small person. Um, it was only like that for the very end. I will say this time, my last – this is my last drunk was 11 months. You know, it wasn't I, – because I did take that seven years off before filming. Um, I did have a seven-year break. So I went from fine to on the floor so fast. And I know if I had been in a pandemic without anything to do but drink, I would have died. Yeah, I know that. Well, that's a scary thought. It's a beautiful thought. I'm a big believer in divine intervention. Things happen when we're paying attention. And I was paying attention. Wow. And you've told Sandy and this crew member. like Yes. The crew member, I mean, we did meetings throughout the pandemic. They they helped me a lot. Um, and then Sandy, she knew on the phone, but I did get to see her after the pandemic. We went to an event in Texas, and I just went up to her. She was there with Leah, and I started crying and said, thank you. Thank you for saving my life. Wow. And that's, I mean, like, I, I still get teary-eyed because I don't think, you know, sometimes in life you don't realize who you help or who you affect. And the chain reaction it has, I've had people say the same thing to me since then. Thank you. You saved my life. I watched you. You know, I was two days sober when you, you did that. And now these are people are, are in my circle now. You saved my life. So I think sobriety is one of those things that you just keep paying it forward. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in recovery, share your story. You're going to save someone's life. Yeah. So what do you think – and there's no judgment, but like when you look at like a Countess Luann who, you know, has – is sober and then had this slip up, you know, like a few weeks ago, like at the townhouse, you know, where people have their phones and they took it out yeah. and they took videos and then – I mean, I spoke to her the Monday after on this show. So, you know, she slipped up. I mean, she, she'll be the first to admit it. Like what do you think? I mean, and she did come out as an alcoholic on camera. I think that you have to give people a lot of grace. Like I said, this is my third time getting sober. It's not a linear progression. And there's no such thing as failing. You know, if you slip up, get you know, get back on the horse, for lack of a better term. You know, um, I can't ever – it's one day at a time for all of us. 
sometimes one second at a time. You know, I have been so close to drinking where I've literally sat, physically sat on my hands so I couldn't pick up a drink. So I think when you watch someone, you just have to be like, okay, well, they, this disease is so gnarly. It is so, it is in your head convincing you you don't have it. And if you don't suffer from the disease of addiction, it's hard to explain. Um, it's because every, your brain is telling you, you're fine. Just have a drink. You deserve it. You earned it. You've been so good for so long. Just have a drink. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard. And I imagine the more that you don't have a drink with this disease, you convince yourself, like you forget the bad times and you're like, well, that was fine. I, I went seven years without a drink. And I'm like, God, I just went seven years without a drink. I must be fine. Right. Um, this is the first time though where I'm like, no, I'm an alcoholic. If I have one drink, I will have 10. And I know that now. Like I can't, I've never, I mean, I think I can count on one hand how many times I've had one drink. That's just stupid to me. Like, what's the point? Once I have a drink, something clicks in my head and it's more. And I mean, like I see your Instagram post. So it's like, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's really hard. Like every day, you know, like. Some days aren't I mean, if hard. If you told me I couldn't have yeah. a, a martini like on my Saturday night, I'd be like, "What?" Some days aren't. Some days are easy. Some days are super easy. Some days are super hard. Um, I go out a lot. I go to Coachella. I go to you know drag shows. I'm out a lot, and a lot of people think, "Wow, that must be so hard." It's the out. It's not the hard for me. For me, um, I'm triggered in the quiet moments, at home alone, when I'm depressed, when I'm sad. So. And, you know, a lot of times I do go on my Instagram just to let people know they're not alone because I don't ever want to be like, I'm sober, it's fun, it's so easy. Because it's not. It, it fucking sucks sometimes. There are times where I'm like, I hate this. Like, this sucks. Because um, I want to break too. I want to relax. I want to have fun. I want to join in the whatever. Like, ugh, God, why do I have to be an alcoholic? It sucks. But I play it through to the end. You know, like you can go have a martini on Saturday. I can't. Right. I will have 20 and wake up Wednesday not knowing how I got there. So the for me, the good is so much better. And the things that have come from my life are so much better. You know, there's a lot of beautiful, beautiful things that have come into my life that I would not have had if it wasn't for sobriety. So I would think it would be a hard thing every day. You know, and like you say, some days are easy. Yeah. So when, like, you see something like a Luann, you know, like, just being in the Bravo world, like, do you feel, hey, I should reach out? I actually – I don't know her personally. I haven't met her. She wasn't at BravoCon. But I did reach through Dave Quinn. I said, just let her know if she ever wants anyone to go to a meeting with her or anything, I'm here. Give her my number. I did do that because that is what sober people do. There's other people in the Bravo community that I do talk to about sobriety, not just Housewives, but other shows. Um, like who? Like Carl from Summer House. Um, you know, I, I talked to him, like Leah. So there's there's people in this world um, that are sober. Yeah. And it's nice to know you're not alone. And, it, it's, a, and it's an interesting dynamic being sober in the public eye, you know, because on one hand, people want you to be sober. On the other hand, they can't wait for you to fall. Like the press when she – at Townhouse, it wasn't nice. No, it wasn't nice. And that's not – that's not kind. I remember when Demi Lovato had her documentary. I was so proud of her for admitting that she was doing California sober because no one talks about that. Um, it's not for me, but like I love that she's not – she's being brutally honest. And I think we just need to be as honest as we can about sobriety because it's hard and it's not perfect and we all fail. It's one day at a time. Progress, not perfection. 
Well, it's not for Demi Lovato anymore either. She's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she is. I mean, she is now set. It's not yeah. for me. Are you? So, I mean, that was another question of mine. Again, no judgment. Are you like sober, sober? Like, I'm sober, nothing? sober. I honor it too much. Um, I honor it too much. I could I smoke a joint? Sure. Could I drop some e? Sure. Do I want to? No, because for me, the blessings that have come with sobriety mean so much to me. Right. I truly honor it. And I honor the program that got me here. And I would feel like I was lying. I don't want to go to a meeting and feel like I'm lying. I need that to be my safe place. That makes a lot of sense. So why, when you come out as gay and you come out as an alcoholic and these are things that are real in your life, why – I mean, we look at, like, all the things Vicky went through and you say you're friends with him. I mean, why is it that people don't believe it when it's you? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that happen to a lot of housewives back to back to back. Why was that the narrative? I think there's a few reasons. One, it's the culture of housewives is people don't want to believe it. When Dorit's house got broken into, people thought she made it up. That's disgusting. They did. Um, I think that's the culture. It's – I don't – people hate watch. I think that's new. I don't recall this 15 years ago. Well, there wasn't Instagram as popular anyway. So I think there's a culture of hate watching. You know, you want to aspire to something, but you also want to see it brought down. And I don't I don't understand the psychology behind it with the viewers. Um I don't I don't know. Uh I think for me, the coming out as a mother was really hard on women. Women don't want to see a woman living her best life. Like you have children now. That's all you should do. I think there's a martyrdom in our society, especially with unhappiness with women. You know, they have to have a reason for being unso happy, so unhappy, not changing their lives. And when they see women breaking out of that, they mm. have to bring her down. Otherwise, their lives don't make sense. Um, right. Like just staying when they don't want to. Really, yeah. Or a lot of things. Just, I think a lot of women are unhappy. You know, having children is very hard. Um, and I think if you, you know, go into the mommy martyr syndrome, it's easier to, to pull other women down. Um, I also think that there's a lot to be said about what Bravo airs. They get to pick and choose. So if they want that to be a storyline, oh, she's faking it for ratings. Well, that's on them. They, if I was editing the show, I would have had an uplifting story about getting sober and living your best life, but they didn't want to go that route. So they gave airtime to another level and it is what it is luckily we do have social media so it took me a couple years but i do think people now believe i'm sober (laughs) i think they believe that i think they believe that you're gay i think that uh, yeah i think they do yeah Uh, but i definitely think it took a minute it took a a half long fucking time it i mean um and yeah that sucked but you know i know i know my truth I know it. Um, and I think as long as you know who you are, cut out the noise. Were you mad that like Bravo kind of was going with that narrative? Yes. Well, I mean, Bronwyn is mad and Bronwyn talks about why she's mad and how she's mad. And we talk about Bravo and her whole experience. And look, you know, I always love when someone has kind of left the show and now looks back and reflects because it's just just an honest conversation. So stay tuned for part two. We're going to get more. We're just about to, we're just beginning to scratch the surface here with Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. So part two coming soon. We talk more about the whole experience, more about what she's going, what she has going on in life now, more about other housewives. Will she return? What's going on? Stay tuned for part two coming very, very soon. 
Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.